0: Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. There's might be love in the air today, and 14 years ago to this very date, a lot of Aberdeen fans had love for a certain former player. We are delighted, Callum, to be joined by none other than Josh Walker on today's episode.
1: First of all, Josh, welcome to the show, how are you? I'm good, thanks lads, I'm good, how are you? Not so bad, not so bad. We'll get things kicked off. Uh, first of all, Josh, you were born in Newcastle, a city that lives and breathes football. Uh, I think that's fair to say, and we've seen that very recently with the takeover, etc. It was Middlesbrough that first signed you and got you into uh, professional football in 2002. Um, were they, how did that come about? And were they sort of the only club interested? Or was there ever a chance of you going on to play for Newcastle? No.
2: Um, the- when it first happened, the first club to come in for us was was Middlesbrough. I was about eight year old at the time, um, and we just started playing boys club football around that age. And we'd been playing for a couple of weeks, and there was me and another lad um, who Middlesbrough had approached and asked us to go for like a six week trial at the time. Um, there wasn't academies then; it was school of excellence, um, so you could still play with your boys club and play games for Middlesbrough and things like that. And then I think I was about ten year old when it became an academy. So that was when you had to um, ditch your boys club and, and play just for your academy. That was it. Um, but working through the levels at Middlesbrough, I did, I had a, a lot of opportunities to go to Newcastle. Um, certainly from, I'd say probably 13 to 16 and leaving school. Um, I had a lot of opportunities to go elsewhere, not just Newcastle, but a lot of big clubs in, in England and abroad. Um, but it was just the how I was at Middlesbrough and where I was in my development. And Steve McLaren was the manager at the time. And I was just, I was just loved by him, you know, and he, mm. he promised us I would be in the first team that season. I would be involved right from the off. And um, I thought it was just too good of an opportunity not to not to stay. And I thought it would be the best thing for us. Um, and I still think it was the, the best decision at that time. But um, obviously looking back and the way things panned out in the end, I would have loved to have played for Newcastle, mm. definitely.
0: Is that kind of something, you know, when you look back on, I know with hindsight, you said, you know, maybe at the time it was the right decision stay, staying with Middlesbrough. Do you think that's hard for, you know, maybe kids coming through nowadays when they're maybe not at an academy that the of the team they support, having that mental strength to stay with a, a club that actually benefits them? you know, further down the line than just being like, I just want to sign for, for Aberdeen, my favourite team. That, that's where I'm going.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. It's it, It's hard for them these days. And it's it's also hard for the parents as well, you know, because, I mean, my parents, were, were, well, my family were all from Newcastle and it would have been so much easier for them to take me to to Newcastle chain five minutes away, you know, than travel an hour three times, four times a week. But they were... They were never pushy towards that they just wanted what was what i felt was best for me um and what they thought was best for me you know and i think if you've got a good stability of family and friends and obviously agents nowadays if you've got all that directly in the right way that can make your decision easier as a kid because as a kid it can be so easily just oh, i'll go to newcastle i'll go there you know but when you think about the bigger picture of things it's better to um to really try and think but it is uh, got to admit it is a difficult decision like
0: yeah I bet and as you said Steve McLaren was the, the manager of Middlesbrough at the time when when you signed a, as a youngster you know I remember growing up Middlesbrough were winning the Carling Cup in 2003-04 at the Millennium Stadium that, that win over Bolton but but you were part of quite a successful youth side uh, winning the FA Cup 4-0 on aggregate a 3-0 and 1-0 win over Aston Villa bouncing back from losing to, to Man United the, in the final the year before what was that like for you as, as a player winning the, the FAU youth cop well do you know what i mean i was i was involved in the squad throughout but i mean i was only
2: 13 year old and it was like an mm. under 17 competition so i was i was a, like a baby in terms of that so what the what the club wanted me to do was get experience along the way and um, mm. i was always fast-tracked through age groups and levels like that so of. To actually be in and around the players that I was from such a young age was, was massive for me. And I think that was probably the biggest part of my development, playing with such good players that we had, you know, coming through at Middlesbrough at that time. Yeah,
0: obviously there was a lot of of quality players just looking at kind of some of the players that took part in that final against Aston Villa. We've got Adam Johnson, maybe the less said about him, the better. Uh, James Morrison, David Wheater, both uh, in the Middlesbrough team that day. And and on the other side, you had Gary Cahill, obviously he's still playing just now. Um, Gabby Agbonghor was up front for Aston Villa and then um, Scottish football fans might recognise this name. Bobby Olegnik was in goal, obviously had time up here at both Falkirk and Motherwell. So like you said, you were playing with some quite quality players at, at, at the time as well That's right yeah it was it was um,
2: throughout the whole journey to the, the Youth Cup final um, we, we played I played a, well I came across lads who have gone on to have brilliant careers you know and you've just named a few there I remember playing in the the first team for Middlesbrough and swapping shirts with Agbon Lohol. So I've got his here yeah, you know so there's there's. Uh, I didn't actually remember that he was involved in the, the youth game you know but um it was, it was a fantastic achievement for the club and probably that three three to five years for Middlesbrough in terms of the youth development, the Carlin Cup and the UEFA Cup final is the biggest and best period probably in the whole history. And also for me to to play a small part in that um, was brilliant. And like I say, for my development at that time, playing with top quality players and also playing against these quality players because you used to it's obviously all changed now with the under 23 system and for me I think it's a way I I don't agree with that I think it's better to have the reserve team football what we used to have Mm. I think development the kids just you just skyrocket through you know because obviously you're playing against better players all the time Um, and that was that was something as well where all these type of lads were involved in that you know so it was um, it was a brilliant brilliant time for the club um, me at that age, being thirteen to to be involved in, I'd like to say, 12, 13 year old to be involved in something like that and being in around them players was massive. Yeah,
0: and you, sorry, you just touched on there the the run to the UEFA UEFA Cup final. How much exposure, obviously, at that young age, did you and the rest of that youth setup have around the the Carling Cup run uh, to the final and the UEFA Cup? Were you guys kind of allowed to interact with the first team? Did you get to get to any of these games? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was at the Carlin Cup final. Um, I think I was 14,
2: I think, at the time. So the the club organised buses for all the academy players and pe- parents to go down. So we went down. Um, that was brilliant. That was at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. And and then the UEFA Cup final as well, which I think was the following year. Um, again, the club organised us all to, to go out there. So... Going across there was, was fantastic, you know, and um, was against Sevilla um, and just at the time Sevilla were, were top, top draw, you know, and they're still the UEFA Cup Specialists, you know, they seem to win it every year, so it's, it's uh, not a mean thing, you know, to, to lose to them, but it, it was, it was fantastic, fantastic era for the club, but yeah, the, it was, it was brilliant that they they looked after us all in terms of getting to those finals, you know.
1: Um, you mentioned your development there, Josh. Obviously, uh, at a very young age, you then started becoming involved with the first team. Uh, made your debut in a friendly against Carlisle and went on to score. Do you remember much about that? It must have been sort of very proud feelings, not only for yourself but your, for for your family and well proving yourself. Right, that you were correct to sort of stay with Middlesbrough. Uh, that was best for your development.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, I was. Um, I actually forgot about that. So thanks for reminding us. that Carlisle, it was. Um, it was brilliant, in order to, to just for, for what Steve McLaren said was when I eventually signed that, that contract at Middlesbrough, then when I decided I was going to be there, and he said, you'll be, you'll be with the first team straight away, you'll be in with the reserves, the first team, and we want to get you straight in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and lo and behold, the first day, that was it. I was with the first team and with the reserves and involved and, and playing. So played a lot of games in pre-season at 16, just left school and was involved with a reserve team Throughout and it was uh, it was fantastic, you know. And we had some top top players then, Middlesbrough, you know, some of the best players. Like I said, I keep saying the best time they've had in that, that history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I say, I think the best thing for me was was being around these players, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember playing reserve team football with Mendietta, you know, like just unbelievable player in person, you know. And he brought me on loads playing with him. Um, but, but it was it was fantastic
0: Is it true you, you were knocking on the door asking why he was playing ahead of you? Uh, no that's not quite true not, not that but it was <laughs> you know what happened
2: then the first year at Middlesbrough um, because everything in my career from like I say 12 year old, pushed on with all the age groups and reserve team football I was always playing above myself so when I found myself playing at my own age I thought I was doing something wrong Mm. You know, so yeah. I would ask the question, what am I doing wrong, do you know? And um, obviously I wasn't doing anything wrong. It was just, that's what sometimes happens, you know, as a young lad, you've got to bide your time. And that was mm-hmm. the um, that was probably my bit, uh, biggest downfall, you know, like sometimes I would just want it far too much too soon, not mm-hmm. like from a, a big headedness, but just then always driven and determined I want to do better I want to do more I want to do more you know and then obviously injuries then on top of that and trying to deal with everything it was hard but uh, no I was never asking to play ahead of Mendy I think I been <laughs> very daft to say
0: that <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have been bold yeah um, Steve McClaren, ever did stay true to his word and you made your debut for Middlesbrough or well, sort of professional debut for Middlesbrough off the bench against fulham do you remember much about that i can imagine it was probably quite a whirlwind at the time at such a young age yeah i do yeah
2: i mean it was it was one of them where i thought it wasn't going to happen because i'd been like i say involved with the first team throughout um training wise and um reserve team football always playing well for the reserves and and then picking up injuries when there seemed to be opportunities to go in the first team and other young lads who were a bit older than me, but then would get an opportunity. And I thought, I've missed my turn. You know, I missed quite a lot of that season with injuries and it was Fulham, the last game of the season. And I thought, well, it's obviously now or never really for this season. Um, but fortunately enough, um, I was in the squad and, and and came on for the last half hour or so. So it was, um, it, was it was, my mum and dad were both there. So it was a very proud moment for them. Um a massively proud moment for me because it was something I'd, I'd worked so hard for, I'd say probably from about 12, 13 year old to then try and get to that point. It was brilliant, you know, so a memory I'll never forget. We've got this shirt framed in my parents' house and it's uh, had really good memories.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's great to hear. Now, obviously, we're going to come on to your your time at Aberdeen in a little bit. You also had a loan spell at Bournemouth as well before returning back to to Middlesbrough, where you played your first full 90 minutes, starting in a 2-1 win over Barrow in the in the FA Cup. Before a week later, playing uh, against Sunderland, Callum will have to remind me what the correct derby is because Wikipedia um, put it down as the wrong one. It, Colin? Tease Tease Weir. Weir, Darby, yeah. yeah, the Weir Derby. what was that like coming back and you know playing playing in the fa cup you know obviously it's seen as this you know prestigious tournament maybe gonna kind of lost a bit of that magic in in recent seasons but but for you obviously again as a youngster getting your first start um did you did you score in that game as well in the barrel game yeah no, I did I didn't score
2: in the barra game. I ma- I got my the match in that and it was hmm. it, and that was that was brilliant, you know, because again I came back from Aberdeen and and came back that season and I just there was a lot of clubs that wanted us to go on loan and I just said no I wasn't going anywhere. I thought I'd, I'd jumped the gun far too many times and I wanted to stay at Middlesbrough because I knew I was good enough and I, I knew I was mentally ready and all like I just with what I gone through with loan spells and injuries. I knew it was it was time that I just stayed where I was, you know. And it took until Christmas. I still feel it should have been before then, but it was Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was brilliant to play in the FA Cup. As the, you know, for me it's still one of the best competitions to play in. Um you still see now with the the teams that are that are in the in the next rounds and you know beating Premier League teams. It's it's massive, you know, and Barrow at the time came to Middlesbrough and Middlesbrough we were struggling that season and um they came actually and we only beat them 2-1 um but for me personally it was again another milestone that I'd reached you know starting a game for the first team in a competitive game and and doing and doing quite well you know so it was it was
0: brilliant yeah, and obviously Middlesbrough getting a, a fantastic result just the other week there at Old Trafford as well. But like I said, you played in that that game against Sunderland. What was that derby game like? Obviously, the games in the northeast uh, East we, we tend to see up here is, is Newcastle-Sunderland. How was that game against Sunderland viewed on the terraces? Is it just as big as playing Newcastle, if not bigger? Uh,
2: no, I think, the, well, obviously, the Newcastle-Sunderland one is the biggest derby. Um mm-hmm being honest, Newcastle as a as a new I'm a Newcastle fan. When we so play Middlesbrough, hit, <laughs> when we when we play Middlesbrough, when Newcastle play Middlesbrough, sorry, it's um obviously it's a derby game, but it's it's more looked upon by the Middlesbrough fans that they want to beat Newcastle. Newcastle, it's not the be-all and end all. Sunderland's in Middlesbrough is a bit more heated um, than what Newcastle and Middlesbrough is. So I mean it was and again, another local derby, you know. So for the to play playing that, and um, that that was brilliant, you know. But just unfortunate the way it kind of went, you know. Just you know, five minutes in, I, I fractured my ankle five minutes into the game, and mm-hmm. just I yeah. uh, just nightmare, you know. You just think, right, I've cracked it. I've I've done well the week before. I'm starting here, yeah, but setbacks. That's what football is. The ups and downs are unbelievable. But the mm-hmm. atmosphere then was fantastic, and again to be. 18, 19, and involved in games like that was was brilliant.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, at Middlesbrough, you did end up working under both Southgate and Strachan, um, going track and going Strachan. That is, what were your thoughts on sort of both managers at the time? And was there any sort of major differences? Obviously, we've seen the careers since then go slightly differently.
2: Yeah, oh, huge, and I mean, it's there was huge differences uh, between them. Uh, in my opinion, Gareth Southgate was a real man manager he was brilliant at talking to the players uh for me personally i don't think Strachan you out taught anyone never mind footballers you know he was uh very very i don't know i i, I learned a lot from him mm-hmm. uh, i'm not gonna lie i learned a lot from him in terms of how i wouldn't do things you know like he was obviously he's had a, a decent enough career at celtic but i think coming down to middlesbrough at a time when Stratton came he wanted to change things far too quick mm. Um, mm. and make his own stamp on the, on the club. And um, I just don't think he kept, ca- for me, he just kind of lost the dressing room as quick as he arrived. You know, it was where, when you had Southgate, even though he was very inexperienced yeah. um, and maybe this was his downfall, He was maybe whenever you were left out of the team, he would tell you why, you know, mm. so you, you you had so much respect for him, but maybe that, sometimes you don't need to be tooled all the time while you're not playing, you know, so, um, obviously, I'm, it sounds like I'm slating Strachan there, um, but <laughs> it's, it's just when I try and compare the two of them, mm-hmm. very chalk and cheese in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my opinion, you know, that I'm sure there'll be players out there who say otherwise, but for me, you just, Strachan just didn't know how to, how to talk to people, how to, He he just came across arrogant to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm, Fair enough. Your opinion at the end of the day, everyone's entitled to their own. Yeah, I do remember him bringing
1: in a lot of players uh, from Scotland as well when he came down. Well, that's what happened, you know. So he brought a lot of players from Scotland and a lot of players who, no disrespect,
2: weren't really getting a game for Celtic. He just seemed to bring them down to Middlesbrough. (laughs) Mm. And then. Don't get us wrong, he brought some good players. Barry Robson in particular was fantastic. One of the best players that I played with in that time, in that championship era. Yeah, I thought he was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he brought in a few others. Um, and then, obviously, Tony Mowbray was the Celtic manager who got rid of them all. Stratton then got sacked and they brought Mowbray Middlesbrough. So Mowbray <laughs> had them all again, you know. So Middlesbrough were in were just in a kind of limbo situation for a couple of years with players that they didn't want, but they just couldn't mm-hmm. get rid of um, but I it was a probably a tricky spell for them to say the least.
0: Mm-hmm. So, oh. so, were you there when 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 Mido was there?
2: I was there with Mido, yeah. So Mido was there when we were in the Premier League. Mido signed, and he was he was a very a, a huge character to say the least. Yes. You know, um, some of the things he was he was he was he just again he would fluctuate from one extreme to the other so he'd be the most dedicated professional you'd see ever around a transfer window and then if you didn't mm. get a move that was it he'd, he'd sack it off and he'd, he'd put on about two stone you know and it was <laughs> it was uh, I think that is Southgate had to, had to deal with him and I think he again I'm just talking out not out term but in my opinion from what I've seen I thought it was maybe too much for him to take on at mm. that time with players like that you know Great lads, great player, great in the change room for the lads, but I think he was a he was a nightmare for the staff.
0: Yeah, some of the stories you hear Andy Hall they say on Open Goal about him are just incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you're not wrong there. Like it was
2: because uh, Andy was one of the players who uh, Gordon Stratton brought down. Mm. Um, but um, but I there, there was there was a, there was a lot of the change room was just so different. You know there was. Players that they had on big money from the Premier League, the likes mm-hmm. of Rico and Afonso Alves. Then you had mm-hmm. young lads coming through, like myself. Um, you then had players in between who were wanting to get moves away. So you of Adam Johnson, um, who else? Stewie Downing. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had a load of Scottish players come down. And it was just, the change room was just, it wasn't. Div- I don't know. In a way, it almost was divided, you know, because mm-hmm. it was like we we went from one manager who, like like I say, was was so open with you and told you how he saw it, whether you um, believed him or not, but he was always opening up front with you. To another manager who would just turn your back on you in the corridor, you know. So it was,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was it just didn't really it just didn't really work the strategy, do You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I know it's probably like a long time ago, and this is a bit of a reach, maybe. But do you think perhaps Middlesbrough could still be suffering from that? Because obviously, Newcastle bounced back straight away and got straight back into the Premier League. And then obviously, they had a relegation since then. But for the most part, I've been a Premier League club. Whereas Middlesbrough, those couple of seasons of those in limbo, and they've not managed to get back into the Premier League since. I don't know. It's it well, just bizarre. Well, yeah, well, I mean.
2: It does, it has a knock-on effect. I mean, mm. from when Middlesbrough got relegated, um, when I was there, when Southgate got sacked, Middlesbrough were like um, a point behind Newcastle, you know, mm. so it was Newcastle and that was in the Championship when Southgate got sacked. So for us, we all thought, if you're going to get sacked, you sack a manager when you get relegated, you know, but
1: yeah.
2: um, they're not going affect that then hard in terms of all the players coming in being sent down, like I say, from Tony Mowbray, who didn't want them. And then Tony, then South you know, Stratton getting sacked and then Tony Mowbray coming and then he's having to try and probably get on with these players, which he's pulled on good enough for up in <laughs> the SPL, but then he's asking them to try and get into the Premier League. It's like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it I did, it took, I can't, I can't remember how long it took, but I think it was about maybe five or six seasons before Middlesbrough actually came back. But mm-hmm. then they went straight back down again, you know, so, it did, it had a massive knock-on effect, definitely.
1: Mm. Uh, we have mentioned Gaz Southgate. It was him that um, gave you a new deal and obviously he's gone on to, well, thankfully he's not won anything yet, but he's done pretty well. I'll give him that much. Did you sort of feel that he would go on to have a career like he has had so far? Um, well, Being honest, I mean, I never
2: thought he would go on and be England manager. Mm. Um, I thought he was good with his players and I thought he he liked... He liked youth. He liked um, giving youth an opportunity when it was right. Um, but I, I do feel that England job is made for him. Now, I, 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 I can see him winning something with England. I know you probably are very disappointed in me saying that. <laughs> but I, I, I can see him winning something with England, not maybe because he's the best tactically, I think he, I think he's just got unbelievable players in his mm. in his hands, mm. and I think he's brilliant with players in terms of speaking to them. and um, And I don't know when he sees interviews. I mean, whether you're English, Scottish, or whatever, when you listen to him speak, the biggest thing I always found about me was a brilliant listener. So whether you are me, you, cleaner, whoever speaking to him, he listened, and it wasn't like he just brushed mm. you off. and I think he's a real people's person and you can't not like him, you know, and I think well, the players yeah. that he's got there, well, yes, I know, take nationality away from it, you know, but I think uh, you probably ask 95% of the English population and mm-hmm. they're really happy with him, you know, because he just he's just a real people's person and I think obviously he's got good uh, coaches around him. He was a good coach as well, but he always had good coaches around him and obviously now with England, you have... I always feel the biggest part of football is man management. You know, it's like any walk of life. If your boss is a an idiot, you're not going to try your best. If your boss yeah. is someone you respect, well, you're going to break your back for, you know? And he always comes across, and he always did come across like that. When he was a player, you wanted to impress him. When he was in the gym stretching and he was doing all these yoga and things, you know, and you think, wow, he's 36 and had the career he's had, and he's doing all this. And so you then want to go in the gym and, show him that you could do things and do you know what I mean and then obviously on the football pitch when he was your manager so I think now with um, being England manager I think it's it's made for him now I don't know whether I still don't know whether he's ready or to be a a premiership manager mm-hmm. now I know that sounds crazy when I'm saying <laughs> how good he is with players but I think it's totally different when you are put under the microscope of signing players and dealing mm-hmm. with I think when you look at that England team that he inherited, the likes of Rooney, um, who else was in there? There was Joe Hart, there was a Lampard, Gerrard, that were all coming to the end of that career. Big personalities, so it was almost a revamp. And he was the 21s manager before, so he's seen all these coming through. So I think it just fitted hand in hand, really. But he's don't get us wrong, he's, he's done fantastic. And I me, mean, as an Englishman, a long me, <laughs> you know, as England manager. <laughs>
0: yeah we'll see how the how the world cup goes um but in in january 2008 you did eventually uh, join aberdeen it was at the towards the end of the january transfer window was that deal on the table throughout the the course of that transfer window or was it something that kind of was was rushed through towards the end of that that transfer window It was actually, they they tried to take
2: myself and Shawnee Aluko at the start of the season so that Shawnee was allowed to go. I wasn't allowed to go at the start of the season. Um, So I I first knew of Aberdeen's interest then. And then when it came to January, um, I'd been injured pretty much all of that season. I'd only played one reserve game and Aberdeen's interest was still there and there was a couple of other clubs interested to take us from down south. But when I looked at the fixtures that Aberdeen had coming up, you know, <laughs> I, I was, the, the Middlesbrough as a club wanted me to, they wanted us to go to Coventry. So Coventry were a championship side at the time. Mm-hmm. They wanted us to go there. Um, but they were like a struggling championship side. And, and I just, I looked at the likes of Celtic Rangers, the UEFA Cup ties, and I just thought, Oh, that just sounds brilliant, you know. That sounds brilliant, and it was me who pushed that more. Middlesbrough wanted, like I say, wanted us to go somewhere else, but I said, I said I'd rather go here, and they so they sort of just backed us and said, right, you can go there then. Um, so that's kind of how that came about.
0: Yeah, well, that kind of answers the question about did it take much convincing to come to Aberdeen just as well? We got drawn against Bayern Munich then. Mm -hmm. But what what was your overall kind of thoughts or maybe expectations on what you were probably going to be facing when you came to Scotland? Did you expect the standard to be kind of similar, maybe better or worse? I know the Scotch game is not always viewed on the same level down south. Um, well I,
2: I was really good friends with Shawnee so I kept in touch with Shawnee throughout excuse me throughout that season um, always kind of looked out for his results how he was getting on and things like that so I was always up to date a little bit with how we, how Aberdeen were doing and he said you know it's a, it's a great city Josh the the fans will be great with you and the, the lads are brilliant there's some really good lads yeah it's um, and obviously there's some big games and uh, I didn't actually know probably much about the standard at all. I mean, obviously, as a kid, you see the likes of Larson and things like that playing up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of Aberdeen as a club, I didn't really know anyone other than Shawnee, really, mm-hmm. um, at the time when I went up there. So it was kind of going into it just unknown, really. Um, but it was, it was the, the standard of football, yeah, the, the quality maybe, well, isn't as high as the, the English Premier League. But my God, in terms of the pace and the franticness of it was, you know, like the, some of the games, I was like, what, where's the ball? Do you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> like you're trying to drop deep to get on the ball and it's hit long. Like, it's just just a different type of football. Now, mm-hmm. that's not to say it's a, I know people look at it as, as, as lesser quality, but it's just a different style of football, you know, and it's, um, I think that, that, well, I know for a fact, that Aberdeen spell in my career is what got us in the team in Middlesbrough in the Premier League the following year, without a doubt, Mm. because it just made us grow up, you know, from being that academy-style player, one who wants to get on the ball everywhere on the pitch. But you can't do that in, in in professional football. You know, you need to be clever in where you go, your movements and your tackles, getting elbows in the back of the head and, you know, like getting used to all these type of things which you don't come across. Um, that was it was brilliant loved it absolutely loved Aberdeen
1: just yeah. while I've got the question in my head we will carry on with your, your time at Aberdeen and uh, obviously that goal mainly because Lee Mayer said if we don't ask you about it you will bring it up uh, <laughs> another player that came from the North playing in the same position uh, as you Matty Longstaff his time at Aberdeen did not as well as well not only he'd hoped but we'd hoped at all do you, do you know much about that situation he's now gone on loan to league two um it, it was very surprising um
2: yeah it was
1: you know when i
2: when i seen that he went to Aberdeen i thought I'd be, he'll do really well you know i couldn't not see him not playing you know um because when he came into the team at newcastle uh, he did reasonably well, you know, like mm. he he did, got himself a new contract and, and did well. So then when I seen he went to Aberdeen, um, I think, I think again, I don't know him, I don't know him at all. Mm. Um, mm. But I think sometimes he was in a different position than me when he went to Aberdeen. I, I was a young kid with something to prove. Yeah, He's probably, he's on the other side of that now. So he got a good contract at Newcastle. He's probably Paid off that he's going to Aberdeen. Do you know what oh, I mean? Nice. So, again, I don't know him. It might be completely different, but the mindsets of myself to him were I, I had a huge point to prove, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I had to, I really just had to play, do well. I had to get in that team at Middlesbrough. He'd had an opportunity in Newcastle and seeing that there's obviously a lot of money coming to the club. I know this has happened since then, but. Um, I don't know. I could be like that. I could be completely wrong, um, but yeah. I've never, never really seen him play other than um, the highlights I've seen for Newcastle, and he always seemed to do all right. So I was a bit surprised that he never, that never took off from up there. But the looks of things, Aberdeen haven't really done too well as a team all season, you know. So it might not just mm-hmm. be himself. It might mm-hmm. be that I went into a good team. He's maybe gone into a, a struggling, a, more of a struggling side. But yeah.
1: in Scott Brown, you would have thought I don't know. Would have brought him. who knows? Who knows? I don't know mm-hmm. the kid. But unfortunately yeah. for him, it hasn't worked out. I just just yeah. felt I uh, thought I'd ask what's we have you here. Um, but I do agree. When I yeah when I when he came up, um, I like to watch Newcastle. I've got family down there. I was very excited. Obviously the goals against Manchester United, and I thought oh probably we've got a player. I'm not quite sure that's happened. Uh, just obviously didn't work out for one way or another. But we'll get back yeah. to. You. Uh, yourself Josh you end up playing uh, 13 games for Aberdeen between joining in January and then the end of the season Were you a little bit frustrated uh, to only feature 13 times the club?
2: I was you know because um, the, the the hardest thing for me was was I think probably setting a, such a high standard so quickly to then not not being brilliant like all the time. You know, so it was like the first—I don't know—a few games went really well. I remember mm-hmm. a couple of man in the matches, and like you say, the Bayern Munich game. Everything just started off fantastic. But the th- the thing for me is, I wasn't—I wasn't really fit. So when I came there, I only played in terms of match fitness. I was only—I'd only played one reserve game all season, and then my first proper game was—I remember uh, was it
0: Hamilton, I think, in the cup. Yeah, you made your debut yeah. just two days after signing. Yeah.
2: That's right, yeah. So Hamilton in the cup. And then there was a game we played, I think it was the semi-final on the Tuesday. And then we played yeah. someone else, on I think Celtic on the Saturday. And then we played Bayern Munich on the Wednesday. And it was just mm-hmm. massive game after massive game. Mm. And I think maybe after about five or six games, I was just almost worn out <laughs> type of thing, which sounds crazy to, to <laughs> feel like that. But looking back, um, when, when Jimmy Calderwood then took us out the team, um, I just felt he then took us out for for too long. Um, mm. He said he was going to because he said like he just needed to get his back to that. But I thought, well, you know, maybe two or three games, yeah, but not five or six, you know. So it took <laughs> it took it took, a, it took a while to get to get going again. But then when I did get going again, it was it was brilliant, you know. And I felt had I been there from the start of the season, I would have played. I think I would have if I'd been fit, I would have played the majority of the games, you know, and it would have been mm. totally different, but i say totally different. It probably couldn't have, some of the things couldn't have went any better, you know, so it was brilliant. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was maybe just the tumble, the ball didn't come out in, in that way for, for some of those games as, as we had that joke with uh, with Lee Mayer. But as, as you said there, you made that debut uh, just a couple of days after signing in the 1-0 Scottish Cup win over Hamilton. What was that like for you? Obviously, that game was at Potaudry, you know, being in front of the the home fans for for the first time, you know, as I I remember from that game briefly, I remember, you know, quite a lively performance from yourself in the centre of the park. You know, always kind of wanting the ball and looking to to drive forward and get shot on goal. I think you were actually quite close to scoring as well. If if yeah. memory does does serve, so I should have scored. You know, <laughs> should have scored. <laughs> so what what was your kind of like overriding emotion from that that debut? Um. Again, it was
2: just a point to prove, you know, like that, just that bit between my teeth. I thought right here I am, you know, like you're playing in front of, I don't know what the capacity, I can't remember the capacity of Aberdeen, but it was, it was a good atmosphere we had that day. Um And it was something I'd never, I'd had a loan spell at Bournemouth in League One, the season below, the season before for a month. But... I don't know, the atmosphere was just different. I think um, the fans obviously knew the games coming up. They knew the games were all big games. It was, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it it just felt real football to me and I felt really proud to be there. And I I think I appreciated how big of a club it was when I got there. Um, And it was, it was just, I was just so determined to do well. And when I got the opportunity to play as quickly as I did, I just wanted to take it, you know, because I knew... To be honest, I wasn't thinking any further than that game. But I also thought, well, if I do well here, then it's just going to carry on, you know. And it was just it was just brilliant. I loved it. Loved the atmosphere. Fans were great with us. Um, lovely city. It was it was fantastic. I just settled in straight away.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, as fans, when we get loan signings into the club, if we can see the, the passion and determination, that player that's coming and almost bought into the way that us as fans treat our club, they're immediately kind of taken to. And I think that was something that, that came across with your performances in particular on that debut. And then, of course, that night against Bayern Munich. But, but going into that game against Bayern Munich, you know as you kind of touched on there we had some big games unfortunately on the the wrong end of the result on that semi-final against Dungeon united quite a chastening defeat it was a 5-1 defeat on the sunday before against celtic what was the mood in the dressing room leading up to that bayern munich game was it just just forget what's happened or was there a bit of nerves um going into that game
2: Uh i think there was a bit of both um you know i, I think um, Me personally, I think being so young, I probably wasn't any more nervous than I would have been for any other game. Um, Mm. I think the older lads looked at it and thought, this is my last chance of playing against a real top side, you know? Um, So I think that determination was brilliant because we had the older lads in the group who thought this could be the biggest game of their career. Um, And then we had the younger lads who... Or maybe naive enough to think this is gonna happen again. So we're thinking like, right, let's just go and enjoy it. So it was like you you mix that together and you've got a group of players that are all determined to to do well, you know. So it was like um hi, just the, the build-up to the game was was I, I just remember the, you know, like walking to the shop and oh and the people said oh why are you up why are you here like you've got to be preparing for this game and I'm thinking it's in two days time <laughs> do you know what I mean it's um, but no everyone was buzzing about the game and they'd remind you of, of what happened in the past with Bayern Munich and it's you know it's mm-hmm. such a massive game everyone kept saying and um, yeah, I, I lived with at the time I was stayed in a flat with Chris Maguire and I remember we'd been playing the week before on FIFA like as by Munich, you know, so you're like, mm-hmm. you're playing these, play- and then you're actually playing them in real life, so it was, um, <laughs> uh, I don't even know how they were in the UEFA Cup, they must have got knocked out of the Champions League, because that squad they had was incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can't remember either, but I just remember being absolutely buzzing at, at that draw, thinking, I'm, I'm getting to go to Munich to watch, to watch Aberdeen play, let alone them coming yeah. to, to and I remember, because it was a five or half-five kickoff. Up, tawdry to, to, to suit German TV. Uh, I just remember finding any excuse possible to get out the last two periods of school um, on the <laughs> Thursday, so I could bunk off with my mates and get ready for the game, and, and you know just get that excitement beforehand. Yeah,
2: i say uh, oh no, I can imagine. Like it was it was it was brilliant, you know. Like it, the uh, the build up and the the game itself. Everyone just played played really well, you know, and it was. The fans were class, the the night after was brilliant. Like it was just it was just you know just absolutely I can't describe it any other word than fantastic, you know, because
1: it was, it was just it was fantastic. Um, we've we've danced around it enough. As much as I will have a question about what living with Chris Maguire was like, I think we'll, <laughs> I've got to give you a chance now. That goal, it's lived long in my memory. I was only eight years old at the time. Uh, but I was behind the goal that he, that he scored in and, and uh, I, I, Mary I'll, I'll, I'll treasure for the rest of my life so first of all thanks Josh but I'll let you I'll give you the stage now talk us through it it must have just been absolutely incredible
2: it was you know and I mean we started we were talking just before about the the Hamilton game and mm. maybe had a couple of opportunities to score I'd, I'd had a few effort at goals in the games before and hadn't scored and Never, ever had a thought in the build-up of that game that I would score, you know. Like, I just didn't think that. I just thought, right, I'm just go and play well. Never thought about scoring. And then we had a free kick on the halfway line and for some reason, Se- sevy took it, Scott Severin. And normally, one of the centre-halves would take it Then Sevy would be a, a higher up with me and I'd be in a different position. But he took it. Mm-hmm. So I, I then went and stood in a different position and we won a few headers in the box. I think Lee Miller won a header and Shawnee brought it down. And then I just remember there was me and I think it was Barry Nicholson who were on the edge of the box. And I was screaming at Shawnee and I was just screaming at him, screaming at him, give it, give it me. And and fortunately he did. And uh just managed to to bend it in the far corner. And it was it was uh, just oh the unbelievable, you know. Like it still gives you goosebumps now when you you, you almost try and relive it. It was uh
1: Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, but I did I, before we started this interview. I did watch the go back as well, as well as Sonny's as well, and was, I just got very excited. It was quite sad, really. But uh, <laughs> we've got to ask as well. Sorry, um, we spoke to Lee Mayer. That's not out yet, so stay, make sure you're subscribed or followed wherever you're tuning in for that. Um, he managed to get Philip Lam's shirt uh, after the game. Did you uh, come home with with any? Obviously, we, we know you got Gabby on the horse. Uh, from that game in the FA Youth Cup might you grab yourself any shirts? Do you know what? I
2: um, I didn't um, and reason be it, I just didn't really think do you know what yeah. I mean? I, I didn't think um, and it's that's what pro- the only regret I've got about that game is not getting the shirts because there was that many to choose from you know you could mm-hmm. no matter who you got you were getting the top player and I can't wait with we an none and it was just I, I didn't. So massive regret of the night because that would have been framed somewhere.
0: Oh yeah, certainly. And I suppose still a, a good memory to have, you know, scoring uh, against Bayern Munich, that, that top that you were, your own top would have been memorable enough to have. But but what was the night out after, like obviously, you know, drawing with Bayern Munich 2-2, you know, the fact that we were, we were still in the tie going to Munich, was that, was that a good night out? what do you think <laughs> it was it was it was
2: brilliant i can't remember the names of what the bars were um I think one might have been called purple lounge or something or something oh, like lounge. 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 What, a place. what a place that was that was just that place just erupted in there that was uh that was brilliant you know it was not everyone went out there was only a few of us but um the ones that did you know we we had a, a night that was that was brilliant and you know and actually really interacting with the fans properly. Mm. It was um uh, it was it was fantastic, you know, like real good laugh. For everyone in high spirits, the whole city buzzing. It was like you couldn't knock go. Do you know what I mean? It was it, it was I was class. I just remember getting a shower at the ground and having a text on my phone. I was like, right, that's it. Rushing home, getting changed and and I was out, you know, so no, it was brilliant.
0: Did did that like kind of Dawn on you just how big a club Aberdeen really was?
2: Yeah, like it was um to to come across, like I said, the likes of Bayern Munich, it's very rare that you do unless you're in one of the top clubs in world football, you know. So for me to then experience that with Aberdeen, I was like, oh bloody hell. Like it wasn't until after the game that I realized how big of a club this was you know like and i i thought that when i played celtic mm. i thought wow this is a big club now but then i also thought well every club has to play celtic do you mm. know what i mean <laughs> but then when we played by munich not every club does you know and it was like mm. here we are you know and it was um just i just remember the atmosphere that like, night nice. i remember coming out of the the uh, walkway uh, where the players come out and I couldn't really see the fans. There was just that much smoke and smoke yeah. everywhere. And the noise was incredible. And it was mm. like, the, that that's when it was like, that's when the nerves for me really kicked in, you know, the adrenaline really kicked in. I was like, wow, this is, this is big, this, you know, so it was there. Um, and then obviously the performance and the atmosphere and everything that followed, you know, was
0: incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really wasn't, and I suppose the fact that I know Callum's eager to ask about uh, about living with Chris Maguire, mm. but the the fact that we obviously went to to Munich still in the tie, I think there was ten thousand Aberdeen fans, you know, made the trip over the, the week after. Uh, you know, for me, it just just sixteen years old, being lucky enough to to be one of the Red Army that travelled, my first experience of, of a European away trip. You you played an hour that night. Obviously, we didn't get the result that that we wanted. But again, for you as a young player, what was that like, being in the Allianz Arena again, coming up against those players once again? You know,
2: it was a it was a little bit of frustration, to be honest, because reason being, we obviously I did I did quite well the week before in the first game, and then in the second game, I just thought I would play centre mid. Um, and we worked, we'd worked on playing four three three against them and um, and then the day of the game now now I don't know if this was the reason why he changed the team but Jimmy Calderwood's quite a character anyway I'm sure <laughs> you obviously know and I remember we were in Munich and we trained the night before in the, in the stadium and he wow this is unbelievable you know and you're just imagining what's going to happen on the pitch you know like Certain passes or whatever. Anyway, day of the game, we all went for a walk. Now, this German fan came up to us. Obviously, a, I don't know if he wasn't a Bayern fan, but he was just this German fan, and he's like asking who the manager is. And he's he said to uh, Jimmy Caldwell, "You've you've got to play four four two. You have to play four four And I'm thinking, it was, everyone's gone, it was this clown like? Do you know what I mean? Like as if we're going to play that, we'll get hammered. And. Uh, manager Jimmy Coldwood calls a meeting like as he normally does names the team like I say we'd all worked on playing who was going to play centre mid I think it was me Sevy, and Barry Nicholson were going to play and then he changed it and he put me on the right wing and he said and Shawnee on the left wing and he said "Ah, you want to meet the track Philip Long and I was like oh, yeah. so, so, I was like mate it was it was I just looked and I thought, "You want me to track the best left back in the world up and down this wing?" And he's, he's going, "Ah, oh, your, your 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 youth and your enthusiasm will just stay with him." And I thought, it just kind of, it just dampened it for me because I mm-hmm. thought, "Well, I'm not going to affect the game. I mean, I might not have from centre mid, but at least I would have been in my position, you know. Yeah. Um, but to then be on the right wing, and I just thought, we're just." It, it's not going to help us, you know, and, and it was, um, and I remember from the kickoff, I think they hit the bar within about 10 seconds and we all looked at each other and we thought, wow, like what's happening tonight? Like it's going to be a long night and um, probably the goals we conceded, um, I felt maybe three, possibly four of them could have been saved, you know. So it was like, we kind of, I think we, we could have, we could have done better we could have done better but we were playing world class players you know and I think to get two results would have been too much to ask for you know
0: yeah and I think you know I I said this to, to Lee Mayer as well when we spoke to him was I still well I can still remember the speed in which Lucio's free kick smashed into the back of the net from what felt like that just on the edge of the box I think his free kick was but but also the chance that that Darren Mackie had I'm not sure if it was yourself but someone played him a a brilliant ball through uh and he's one-on-one but you know Darren Mackie when he has too much time on his hands doesn't know what to do and I (laughs) didn't know what the post I know and
2: he's facing Khan as well so I mean it it, it, it was it was (laughs) It was, um, but that was one. You know, we can see him racing through. I think it was maybe only one nil at the time. Yeah, it was. was yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and I thought, well, come on, Daz, come on. And uh, everyone's like, you know, and it just unfortunately went wide. And it was, um, like I say, to get two positive results was was too much to ask. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of overall, I think that season, not just that, uh, uh, not just that Bayern Munich game all the games before anyway I think the club the players the staff every single one of them did the the club and the city proud Mm. it was it was was great great again to to play another small part in that journey that season
1: Mm -hmm. right Chris McGuire time Uh, I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with Chris McGuire loved him at Aberdeen then he played for Sunderland was not happy then he left Sunderland scored against them and celebrated right in front of their manager back to loving him so we're on good terms just now he is uh, a bit of a character i think that's well known what was living like him with that must have been interesting do you know what chrissy was he he was quite quiet like back then i mean he was the same age as me
2: um he was he was he was quiet um he was um i I think his nickname was bebo or something yeah 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 he used to get called so yeah, I'm, I'm not too familiar with that, but he was. Um, <laughs> he, he Those got,
0: listening will be well aware of why he's oh, yeah. called people. <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: okay, yeah, I, I just remember that sticking out to us. But he was um, no, he was a nice lad, and he was one who. Um, is he? Is he from Aberdeen? Was he from? I can't remember. Glasgow? He I
1: think. Yeah, down by Glasgow.
2: Um, but obviously, being in the used to come through the youth team there. Uh, I think there was a lot of pressure on him. Um, mm. Oh, he seemed to to feel as if there was, um, but in terms of ability and um, ability wise, he, he was excellent. You know, he did really well, and he he broke into the team, played a lot of games. Um, he was he was he was a good lad to live with. You know, he, just, he was no problem at all. He was uh, he was good. I, I like Chrissy. I've got a lot of time for him.
0: Who who are the other players during your, your time at Aberdeen? Obviously you were friends with Shoney Eluko as well. Who were the other players for you that kind of kind of stood out in, in your time at Aberdeen? Uh other than those, I mean there was a the lad, uh, Dan Smith, um, mm-hmm. who didn't didn't
2: play that much. Um, but Dan's still one of my really good mates now. But uh, Lee Miller and Lee May, they were they were the two that um I got on brilliantly with and and still speak to now you know and it's uh i met up with lee miller probably six seven months ago just before he was starting his these barbering type stuff that he's mm-hmm. doing um but they they were they were great lads in the changing room you know um and those two just looked after me from from day one really uh, so I've, i'll always have a lot of time and respect for those two really good lads
0: Yeah, and I suppose, you know, just just finally on your time at Aberdeen, what did your your time at Aberdeen kind of mean to you and in terms of how did that help you for the the rest of your career? Well, like I said
2: before, it was, I think, that Aberdeen loan spell just made me grow up. Um, Now, in terms of everything, so not just as a footballer, but as a person, you know, because... Um, having to deal with the things that go alongside a professional footballer where it's not always brilliant It's you get a lot of sticks sometimes, you get dropped you get left out the team when you feel you should be playing you play when maybe others think you shouldn't it's dealing with all the the mental side of it and I think it was a, a great club for me to be at because I got to experience everything really, I got to experience the highs, the lows, the um, in like in terms of playing, then not playing, defeats in semi-finals, scoring against Bayern Munich, um, man the matches like it was. I got everything kind of rolled into one, and to be involved with such a a group that are um, I, I don't know what the word is, but you know, people would say like real workers, you know, like just real mm. top top professionals in terms of they just wanted to do well wanted to do well for their families wanted to do you know what I mean it, it kind of brought not brought me down to earth because I was never big headed but it it made us realise that I want to stay in that Premier League I want to I want to get that opportunity you know like I, I, I loved it. it it was the best I would say probably the best three or four months that I had in my career um, mm. in terms of the whole scenario you know I loved it mm-hmm. loved it
1: yeah. And following the conclusion of your loan spell at Aberdeen uh, you then went on to captain the England under-20s at the World Cup having previously captained them for the under-16s and under-17s uh, the tournament probably didn't go to plan uh, unfortunately but it was a good squad containing Kieran Trippier, Ben, me uh, and shout out to Jonathan Obika as well a yeah. legend uh, that must have been an extremely, extremely proud moment for yourself and quite the experience I can imagine
2: it was. It was. Um, it was. I still. Yeah, I'm still. There. It was. Uh, it was. It was. It was brilliant. You know, to um, you know, like everyone dreams of playing, like you know, for your country and and whatever, and playing in World Cups, and then to get the opportunity to go and captain them at the World Cup. It was. Um, it was. It was a real, real proud moment for myself, my family, and uh, people close to us. Everything that, I'd, like I said, worked hard for in my career um, to get to these moments, it was it was excellent, and um, it was just unfortunate the way the tournament went. The, ga- the games were in Egypt, and we lost so many players with illness. You know, like mm. it was. So when we, we were playing games with lads that would, weren't really... I wouldn't say weren't really it. Oh, there were good players, you know, but we had top players missing who've gone on that had massive careers, you know, like, um, so it could have been completely different, but for myself in terms of that status to look back and think I was captain of England in a World Cup, you know, it's brilliant, great experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, not not something that that many people can actually say that they've done. Obviously, you know, you did go back to to Middlesbrough and did get some experience there in the Premier League, but unfortunately, your your time, you know, kind of was cut short through a bit of injury problems as well. You you ended up at Watford before loan spells at Northampton, Stevenage and, and Scunthorpe before eventually signing for Scunthorpe for a season before, again, a season closer at home with, with Gateshead where you got a fair amount of games under your belt. But then your, your career took a different path and you headed off to India for a season with Bengaluru FC. What... what what made you choose India, or why did that that move to you appeal at the time? Um, a couple of things, really. There wasn't that many
2: options left here in the mm-hmm. UK, um, and mentally, I went. I, I didn't go through a depression, but I went through a lot of a lot of um, low points in my career, in my say early twenties. I mean. When I was 21 at Middlesbrough, I got a knee injury um, before I went to Watford. And they, it it set off something in my knee a year or two mm-hmm. down the line called patellar tendonitis. And it got to the point where I was at Scunthorpe and I couldn't train. So I was 22 year old and I wasn't fit enough to train. You know, and mm-hmm. it was, it was lucky and thinking two years ago, I was captain of a, in a World Cup. Now I kind of train. And then uh, we were going to get relegated at Scunthorpe. We got relegated. I was injured. Uh, I had no option, really, other than to sign a gate set and get some money. Uh, do you know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. I went to the gate set, I played games. I wasn't fit. I shouldn't have played. I was injured the majority of the time. Um, and come the end of that season, I was actually thinking of packing in because uh, mm-hmm. I was that my head was that just disillusioned with everything and feeling sorry for myself do you know what I mean about I was I just felt sorry for myself and um, an opportunity came through a lad that I played with at Middlesbrough called John Johnson um, he was out in India at a team called Bengaluru and he said look our, our team's looking for a midfielder because the manager was English and uh, Ashley Westwood was his name
0: mm-hmm. and I'd
2: come across him a couple of times before and he said, Josh, he really likes you. He remembers you as a kid. and uh, So he wants to speak to you. And I just thought it was people being nice and whatever. So anyway, I went and spoke to him. It was actually the night before the playoff final. Um, I'm sneaking out the hotel to go and speak to this manager about getting a move to India. You know, i have got this game to set the final the next day. Um, so I went and spoke to him and agreed everything with him in the back in, in his car. Um, just <laughs> not the most professional of deals ever, though but uh, agreed it there and then and it was, it was one of them moments where my not just my career my life was going to go one way or the other I didn't know what mm-hmm. I was going to do and um, he knew about my injury um, but he also said we don't play so this was you, you signed from July till the following July but the season didn't start until the January so he mm-hmm. said you've got like five, six months to get into shape and and that's that's what happened. I just knuckled down, and we had some really good physios and treatment, and I think possibly even playing in the heat as well helped. You know, like just mm. just being away from from everything just it just helped us a lot. And the season went fantastic. Like it was it was brilliant. You know, we won the equivalent of the FA Cup, we played in the, the the Asian Champions League, but travel all of Asia, all of India. Um, it was brilliant, and then signed another year um but unfortunately the end of that season that was it my knee just couldn't cope anymore and they just told us that i, I wouldn't play again i shouldn't play again mm-hmm. um so that was that was pretty much it and um but I, that was the that was the spell in india um and then come back and like i say i had to get in the real world and try and get a job because <laughs> football was gone you know so it was um it was it was it was a difficult time it was a difficult time but I think the relief of actually being told you shouldn't play anymore it made us it took a lot of weight off my shoulders because I, I knew I'd been playing for maybe four or five years with an injury that I shouldn't have played with you know mm-hmm. um, or that was never going to get better yeah.
1: Despite that despite that news you did then <laughs> signed for Edinburgh City in 2017 uh, playing 43 games scoring 5 goals how did that sort of come about? I returned to Scotland, um, how was that for you? Was it the perfect fit?
2: Um, well, it was actually my, my ex-partner and my, my two children are from Edinburgh. So mm-hmm. um, when I came back from India, uh, just came back here, and I was working at the time, I was doing like some labouring and some building stuff with mm-hmm. my, uh, one of my pals, and I was picking up my, my daughter from a school and the Edinburgh City manager was picking up his niece or someone from the school, recognised my face, and then just started talking to us. and And he said, "Do you want to? Would you get back into football?" And I said, "Well, I shouldn't really." <laughs> but he <laughs> said, um, "But I said I'm missing it like, again." I mean, this was about a year, a year after. So I'd been injured the full year of my second year in India, mm-hmm. and then I just hadn't done anything really in terms of trying to mm-hmm. get back in when you're told you shouldn't, you just don't. Um, But then when he said, look, we'd like to, if you can get yourself fit see what you think, come and train and see what it's like. Um, So I thought, why not? I mean, I was doing labouring work and I was carrying loads of stuff around building sites and I thought, surely I can get myself fit to play part-time, you know? Um, So I did. I got myself a a trainer. One of my um, friends was a PT. So Mm. we did some, training in terms of trying to build my my leg up um without putting pressure on the knee and loads of swimming type stuff and then it come to the point where i was fit enough to go and train and i went and trained and uh, i enjoyed it and the manager gary jardine was was brilliant because he he knew i couldn't train that even though it was only two nights a week but it was on astro i said there's no way i can train two nights so i <laughs> trained one night and would play saturday and it was it was class you know i loved it it was like <laughs> I just felt it was probably the one time in my career I felt there was no pressure on us anymore, mm. you know, because mm-hmm. people knew what I'd been dealing with, and then to then come and still be wanted, I just felt that I felt prob- probably the proudest I'd felt in my career to even though it was only part-time football to come back after being told you shouldn't or you uh, well one said you can't, but you know it was I kind of proved proven people wrong a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean. I was always injured, like, but, it was, <laughs> but uh, I still played, like you say, 40-odd games, you know, in two or three years, so it was better than what I'd done before.
0: Yeah, and it must obviously be a, a sense of pride, the fact that you were then made club captain, but I'm sure people are, are wondering how Gary recognised you. Was it, were you that guy that scored against Bayern Munich?
2: <laughs> that's how it went. I, I think honestly, it's uh, the the majority of um, memories of me in Scotland is that you know it's um, which is brilliant, but it's also annoying because I think God, like I did a little bit more than that game, but it was um, but no, it it, you know to have to be remembered for that in itself is great, you know, just so. uh, But that that's how kind of the conversation went.
0: and how did you get on in in League Two? Obviously, you said you were only training once a week, uh, and then and then playing on a Saturday. Because I believe the season that you signed for Edinburgh City was the season that they would got promoted out of the Lowland League. So, was there kind of an expectation to you know go for promotion again, or for you was it just see how many games you can do that season? Well,
2: initially it was just me to come back in um, and start playing again and see how everything went. I never. I never actually thought of anything beyond that season, um, but we had a we had a really good team for that level. We had uh, there was myself, there was Craig Beattie, Derek Ryden, mm. um, Ryan, Ryan Porches was on loan from Hibbs. It was a really good setup we had, um, and I think we ended up finishing done quarters but I think it was about seventh. So for a team that just came up with, and we weren't that far off being in the playoff positions. Um, but then that season the likes of Beats and Ryden they retired. Uh, Porches obviously went back to Hibs um, and the changed the, the, the change to manager not long after that and just went down a bit of a different route in terms mm. of I, I felt they wanted too much too soon. I think mm. they um, and I think they. I'm sure they would say the same because it, it is that's how it went. Um, but in, ter- in terms of me playing and be- having that buzz, anyone who's played football, no matter what level you've been at, that changing room feeling you get of being with the lads is class. And for mm. me, just to get that even one night a week again, it was it was brilliant. So it was uh, the time at Edinburgh. I've got real fond memories, you know, and it, it was, um, we played in, some, played in some good games and we played, I mean, we, we played Motherwell in the Cup when I was there. And, Um, Hamilton um, so we still played some decent enough teams Mm -hmm. Um, and I enjoyed enjoyed my time there but again because of the state of my knee it was never going to last that long really Um, and that's just how it went it, it got to the start of the I don't know if it was the 2019 season and that was it, I just knew I'd had by this point, I'd had five operations on my knee, and it mm-hmm. was just that was it. It was when I came back from it, the I was in pain after about two weeks after the of coming back and playing. You know, so it was. I just mm-hmm. I remember playing uh, East. You know, I'm saying I, I remember playing not East Five, someone else uh, East
0: Kilbride, Sterling. East Kilbride.
2: Oh, <laughs> it was East Kilbride or East Sterling, and I was playing them. And no disrespect to the lads you're playing against, but I could mm-hmm. not get near anyone. I just couldn't move. And I was in so much pain and I just I thought, nah, that was it. And even I come off the pitch and one of my boots had completely split in half and I thought, that's a sign, that's a sign, just that's it. Put <laughs> the boots in the bin and that was it. I, I packed in for good at that point. Um, but, but no, it was safe and good I'm still playing like on a Saturday now but it's um, but uh, <laughs> but I know that was they were great memories great memories I've got brilliant memories from football
1: mm-hmm. It is good to hear that obviously when you first every kid when they first start playing football it's because they love it and then it sort of despite all the the highs and the lows with the injuries it sort of went full circle where you got back to Denver City and just playing it because you you were and you were enjoying the game it. yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. and um Obviously, Aberdeen recently played Edinburgh City and in the infamous Josh Walker derby. Uh, did you get the chance to catch the game? Yeah, I've seen the
2: highlights. Um, I was actually wanting to go up, but um, I've started to play, I coached at one of the local teams around here. Um, so, unfortunately, I couldn't go. But um, Edinburgh, I thought, gave a good account of themselves. I mean, it was always going to be a, a tough, tough ask. Um but you know, like there's a couple of my pals that are playing in that team, um, who again have had similar type things. You know, Danny Hanlon was was mm. coming through, and mm. him's doing really well. And he's I've been unfortunate with his injuries, but um, uh, there's there's a few of them there, at Edinburgh that are, that are doing well, and it was it was good to good to see the club. just even make a little bit money and all because uh, Mm. as you know everyone's been rocked with COVID and the lower clubs especially so for them to get a tie like Aberdeen I was really pleased to see that because uh, there's some good good people at that club
0: Yeah and I suppose you know you've said like you kind of accepted being Away from football, however, you can't quite keep away. Um, you do some coaching with, with Whitehill Welfare uh, in the East of Scotland League, but, but you've also got your own coaching um business as well. Uh, is that just based down in, in the Edinburgh area? It is, yeah. It's something I started um about a
2: uh, six months after coming back from India. Um, I say a year after India, it was I was doing so many jobs, like obviously being in football that's all you ever do so then when you're just that's it you um i didn't have a clue what i was going to do anymore um so it was i i did a few things labouring. i did did a lot of things and then it was one of the kids in my street um is a Celtic fan and he knew I'd, his dad knew I played for Aberdeen. He just asked us, he said, Look, will you go and take him and just work him on his left foot? He's struggling a bit mm-hmm. with his left foot. I was like, Aye, cool. So I went and done it. He loved it and he said, Could we do it again? And um, before he knew it, his pal was coming and other pals. <laughs> and I was coaching for them. And then they'd tell us, ask, Could I go into the school and help? And I thought, Why don't I do something coaching kids? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did. I started a company called Foot Forward Coaching, and it's um, something that's just progressing quite nicely. Um, it's a you know you'll never uh, you'll never replace playing. You mm-hmm. you you can't you can't replace mm-hmm. playing. No. But to to see a young kid, a boy, a girl, whether that's a kid who's an elite player who's in an academy or it's someone who's like someone in my street just wanting to work uh, the left foot to see the improvement in them is massive you know and see the enjoyment in their face It's uh, it takes you back to their memories of you being a kid and um, so I do I do a lot a lot of stuff in a school called George Watson's in Edinburgh um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: take a lot of the well all the football there and I do a lot of one-to-one coaching I've got kids I coach who play at hips and Hearts mm-hmm. um, And then I do other things like after-school clubs, parties, and so it's everything to do with football, uh, but just in terms of the coaching side of it. Now it's um, the development of kids. It's and because I can relate to every single one of them because of the experiences I've had. You know, you'll get it's not just sometimes a a, a technical session; it, it can be an actual session where. I've had a session with a parent and a kid who just wanted to ask what happened and, you know, like to, so Mm -hmm. they can have the experience, like what I've kind of been through, you know, like kind of what we're doing now. Um, It was, uh, so I I love the job that I do. I I never thought I would find, after I finished playing footy, a job that I would love doing. But I've got to say, like, probably since. 20, 21 year old I'm probably the happiest I've ever been in my life now because everything i've got going in terms of my, my two children my my coaching my football coaching and, and just and just being happy again you know it's it, it, i can't can't describe the the turnaround and everything so it, it, it has lights almost full circle again but i'm the one mm-hmm. trying to develop them kids now so yes. it's it's brilliant love it
0: yeah, and, and, you know, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, on red-tinted glasses this evening. And, Calm. I think, you know, what Josh says there really has come across someone that just loves and lives the game and has come full circle. And it's great to see, you know, it, it's not surprising somebody from somewhere like Newcastle that just has that passion for football. Yeah, 100%. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much, Josh.
1: it's also really, really encouraging hearing uh, after... What's happened after football as well? Um, mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of footballers who come out of f- once they've retired, they think, "Oh God, what am I going to do now?" And it can be a problem. So it's encouraging to hear that things are going very well for you. Yeah.
2: No, thanks very much, lads. Thanks for having us on.
0: Yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. I feel I feel eighteen again. You know, speaking about my <laughs> youth, Bayern Munich and Pearl Lounge. What what yeah. a, what a brilliant <laughs> evening this has been! But Josh, once again, thanks very much for joining us on Red Tinted Classes Cheers, lads. Thank you. Well. There you go. That is our former player interview with Josh Walker. A fascinating insight into his career and also time at Aberdeen Callum. A truly enjoyable listen.
1: 100%. I had a good time doing it. Thoroughly enjoyed talking about that goal. And always nice speaking to a as well
0: yeah i knew you'd enjoy that element as well as ever if you have enjoyed the show today remember to hit that like button leave us a comment with your feedback what was your memories of that famous night against Bayern Munich and if you are new to the channel watching for the first time or listening of course remember to hit that subscribe button follow button to get notified of all our latest content coming up thanks once again thank you